Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Life is full of awesome what-ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm John McEnroe, and you're listening to the Tennis Podcast. Well, hello and welcome to the Tennis Podcast. Catherine Whittaker and myself, David Law, are here to talk tennis. It's been a while, Catherine. How are you doing? It's been far too long. I'm doing very well, thanks. How are you? I'm all right. All right. I tell you what, it's getting exciting, the tennis circuit, isn't it? We're... we're Getting the, into the sharp end of the WTA finals, uh, we're about to enter the semi-final stage. It's Friday at the moment, so you've just been doing some wizardry and with the mathematics. I don't understand what's going on, other than the fact that Simona Halep and uh, one of the player have qualified already. Is that right? Yes, I believe Caroline Wozniacki has qualified. Correct. Yes, absolutely. That's why we bring Catherine, because uh, she understands it and I don't. And the ATP finals, listeners, is also becoming exciting in terms of who qualifies for the seventh and eighth positions currently. Already qualified, Rafael Nadal, Novak Djokovic, Roger Federer, Stanislas Wawrinka. Uh, who else has already qualified, Catherine? Uh, Marin Cilic, Kei Nishikori. That's correct. And Thomas Burditch is in seventh position. And then it is a wacky races dash to the finish line for position number eight, isn't it? With Andy Murray, Milos Raonic, David Ferrer, Grigor Dimitrov all fighting it out with just 300 points blanketing them all. Yeah, between it looks like between Murray and Ferrer, there's I mean there's there's nothing. There's there's a hair's breadth, and uh, Milos Raonic about fifty points behind, seventy points behind, something like that. Grigor Dimitrov slightly off the pace, but still in the race, so certainly not out of the question for him. So, Catherine, who's going to qualify then? I think that, as you say, I think Burdic is something extraordinary would have to happen for for Burdic not to. So uh, I'll. I think my money on Burditch is fairly safe, and I think Murray's going to do it. Blimey. Very forthright. I think he is as well. Do you know, he, he will have played seven weeks out of eight with just that week between Paris and O2 having had a rest. That is a heck of a run, isn't it? Especially for a guy who said he's not that fast. <laughs> I was going to say, for a guy that only weeks ago was asked, uh, so you're, you're focus, is your focus now on qualifying for the World Tour Finals? And his answer was, not really. Um, he has certainly uh, poured his energy into qualifying for the World Tour Finals. There's no other explanation, really, for him taking a wild card into Shenzhen. Um, you know that's 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 what his goal has been. He's obviously managed to redirect his his mind and focus on it. So um, if he does qualify, and as we both said, we think he will, he'll deserve it because he is he's gone for it. 
Plus, I, I, don't, I never bought that. I think we said at the time, I, I don't believe a word of it, frankly. I, I think he was emotional after having lost his match at the US Open. I also think he is the natural contrarian. We know he is. And frankly, if you're going to say that that should be his focus, he's going to say, well, probably not, actually. And then his actions will determine whether he really means it or doesn't and clearly he he desperately wants to be at the O2 he missed it last year he's never won it he's never been to the final he's got to a couple of semi-finals but you know it's a fantastic opportunity isn't it to play in front of British fans and and also I mean who wouldn't want to play in front of 17 and a half thousand people against the best tennis players in the world at the O2 arena it's pretty bloody great but I also think there is a uh, an addition an additional benefit to having played seven weeks in eight. Okay, he might get injured, I suppose. There is that risk. I think he's making himself match tight, really granite tough. And come the new season, I think he's going to benefit from this. Yeah, I mean, he's, he always does traditionally play well in this portion of the season, doesn't he? He usually does accumulate, well, obviously not last year because he was inactive due to his back surgery but he does play well in this portion of the season and he does play well at the Australian Open so there's been correlation there in the past and he's always I mean I I don't know the details of of every player's off-season training schedule but certainly Murray is put as much into it as anybody I think on the circuit and he traditionally at the Australian Open has come out all guns blazing in a way that the Australian Open is one where you know, you don't know you don't know what shape people are going to be, and you don't know how match tight you say they're going to be. And Murray has been sort of more more solid of the top players at the Australian Open. So yeah, I think I think there's some logic in what you're saying. But of course, there is. That's a given. I I I think there's a lot of logic in what you're saying, um, but it's by no means a given because I th- I think the Australian Open could be incredibly open this year next year feels like this year I'm already I'm already doing away with the last three months of 2014 um but yeah I, I I'm struggling to disagree with you because I I think you you could be bang on there seven weeks out of eight provided he doesn't injure himself and let's face it that's a big caveat uh provided he has the off season he usually does have yeah you'll arrive in Australia in uh in probably the best shape of um or as good shape as anyone. Yeah, but I said on Twitter about an hour ago that I think that this run, or I said this run will lead to him winning a slam in 2015. Discuss. Come on, Catherine, is he going to win one or not? He really should do. Really ought Should do? Don't be ridiculous. Should do. Novak Djokovic, new father, brilliant player. On top of his game, world number one. Rafa Nadal's coming back from injury. Roger Federer is having a renaissance. Loads of other players. Should do. Yeah, but everyone's got a caveat after their name now. I mean, Andy Murray included, but everybody does have a caveat. You know, Roger Federer, yes, having a renaissance, but he is 33 and he hasn't won a slam for a while. Uh, Novak Djokovic, yes, he's a brilliant player, but he has just had a baby and his focus might wonder. Rafa Nadal, yes, he's still a brilliant player, but his fitness and his uh, body very much has a question mark on, uh, next to it. Uh Marin Cilic can question you know yes he's capable of it but there are plenty of one slam wonders out there so you know question mark there Grigor Dimitrov hasn't proved himself yet obviously has the capability to do it there's your question mark there everybody there there are no certainties in the game anymore the days of the top four seeds being nailed on to reach the semis 
those are gone. So given that there are no sentences, we probably should change that to could do, shouldn't we? No, no, I'll, I'll stick it to should do. I think, I think Murray is still a good enough tennis player that he should be winning Grand Slams. So if he can find the confidence... And if he can, if he can find a bit of a streak, he, yeah, he really ought to win a Grand Slam next year. And 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 winning, let's say, I don't know, let's say he goes on to win Valencia and has a has a good good run at the O2, and he'll have end up winning, let's say, three three tournaments at the end of the season. That's confidence right there, isn't it? It is confidence right there. Now, there was uh, a player that uh, did this in that sort of way. Remember when Novak Djokovic had his incredible 2011. He preceded that by winning the Davis Cup final, didn't he? And, and that run of form, you felt as though that was setting him up for, for, for what he went on to do. That's where this is all coming from. I know that Murray's not playing maybe that well. I feel like I'm grasping at straws a little bit here. But I think that this is all possible. Oh, I mean, momentum is not a figment of one's imagination. Momentum does exist. And the, the gap between seasons is, I mean, it's barely a gap. There barely is, there barely are tennis seasons, really. You can you barely stick anything between, you know, the off-season's essentially a month, if that, isn't it? Um, so, yeah, momentum carries through from one season to another. And but also, I, I think that uh, in Murray's case, I, I think that this is turning him back into a 100% full-time tennis player this run I think the last 12 months because of the back surgery that he's had and and all that's gone with that he's he's almost been a part-time player he's played as much as he could but now it feels as though there is 100% you know dedication to to just putting his body on the line every single week and 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 clocking in and clocking out and not doing anything in between and also, if he can come through this period unscathed through injury, that should give him some confidence in his body because you always feel that, or certainly I always feel that Andy Murray is a player that is nervous about his body, doesn't have the confidence in in his body holding up in the way that Roger Federer does, quite rightly, because Roger Federer has basically been uninjured for for the for the 16 years of his career or whatever, which is an incredible feat. But if Murray can come through that uninjured and feeling stronger than ever I think you'll have a confidence in his game but also a confidence in the strength of his body to hold up under pressure now that tournament at the O2 Arena is coming up in just a couple of weeks time it'll be fantastic do you know listeners where we're recording this podcast right now we're in the Royal Albert Hall Catherine Whittaker just just a month or so ahead of the uh, the Statoil Masters tennis that'll be played just a few weeks after the O2 and it's a tournament in which John McEnroe will be back to play a couple of exhibitions. Pat Cash has just been announced. Andy Roddick's going to make his debut as part of the ATP Champions Tour field with Fernando Gonzalez, another first-time player. Tim Henman, uh, Greg Rosetsky, uh, Mansell Barami will be back. It's going to be an amazing week of tennis as it always is. And we're here because we work at this tournament. And what a place this is, the Royal Albert Hall, isn't it, Catherine? It's raining outside, but we don't care. We get to go in the Royal Albert Hall and have a bit of a look around. Tell you what, should we go and have a game? Yeah, we're here because we're very lucky, basically, and uh, it's such a wonderful place to be. We're in the cafe, we should mention, which is why there's sort of music and the sound of coffee being brewed. It's not music, that's my iPod. Uh, but nonetheless, a privilege, and I think we are going to have a sneaky look around shortly and whet our appetites for uh, the Saturn Masters, which is in my top two favourite events of the year. Oh, what's the other one? Probably Queens, because, you know, they were, they were my first two 
proper tennis events that I worked at and um, I, d I don't think it's just my sentimental connection to them I do think they are both special events with a real sense of occasion but I also do obviously have a sentimental attachment to them. So, now, Catherine, a couple of years ago, I remember here at the Royal Albert Hall, you used your enormous influence uh, to pull some strings and uh, and set up a challenge match between Goran Ivanisevic and your brother. Uh, how did that go? It was his 30th birthday, and uh, Goran's a good bloke, so I just asked him, and, uh, and he said yes. And uh, I've never seen my brother actually nervous before, He's a very, um, he's very calm, cool, calm individual, and uh, I could see just a couple of beads of sweat on his brow. He was sweating bullets, I'm telling you. <laughs> I, I mean, from my perspective, you know, who am I to judge? My brother's a far better tennis player than me. I think my brother would probably tell you if asked, if if you'd done a post-match interview with him, which I probably should have done, he probably would have said, uh, "I'm not happy with the way I performed." There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This edition of the Tennis Podcast is sponsored by Tennis Channel, and Tennis Channel Plus is the place to watch the French Open. They've got every court live, and you can watch on your phone or your smart TV, both in HD. Matt, this sounds like your kind of thing. Yeah, there's nothing I like more than watching multiple courts with matches everywhere, dipping in to where there's the latest final set tiebreak or even the latest bit of aggro. And David, don't worry, you can just watch your favourite court, Suzanne Longlen, all day if you want. But whatever you choose, the French Open promises unforgettable moments and new chapters in tennis history. Do you know, I think in a lot of ways, the French Open is now my favourite slam. It's the strategy of the clay court tennis, the way it challenges players, and particularly now with Legends of the Game up against a new generation of young players. I cannot wait. Be there when it happens with daily live coverage beginning on Monday, May the 20th. Subscribe to Tennis Channel Plus to stream daily coverage of Roland Garros. Use promo code TENNISPOD20 for 20% off your annual subscription. He'd probably welcome a rematch. I think he would do better second time out. But. Would he take the positives? <laughs> he 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 would have taken whatever positives there were there were to to clutch at. I think. Right. Well, given that uh, you are so good at setting up challenge matches, how about at the Royal Albert Hall this year? Um, very early one morning before we start work at the Saddle Masters. How about we have our long-awaited challenge match between you and me on the Royal Albert Hall court? How about that? Finally, the expectation of which has now reached almost mythological... 
proportion between us between yeah uh yeah yeah I, i can't say no to that Right then, listeners, I'll um, see if I can provide a bit of commentary as well while it's going on, and we'll see who actually wins that. Now, from one age of the tennis, uh, one end of the tennis tennis age spectrum at the Stathol Masters, where uh, players are ripe, let's just say that, uh, to uh, players who are just (laughs) developing... um, I players that are the next generation, and I'm not talking your Dimitrovs and your Raniches, who uh, who Andy Roddick, uh, as usual, pulled me up when I suggested that they were the next generation and the youngsters coming up. He pointed out that they're hardly young anymore. Um, to the next next generation, which I've just been asking out on Twitter about what people think the respective rankings are going to be in five years' time of the following players. Born a Chorich who's 17 years old and from Croatia and richly talented. And we saw that against Andy Murray in the Davis Cup. But he's also had some ATP results of note recently. Nick Kyrgios, who, of course, broke on the scenes to beat Nadal and is 19 and a massive hitter. Uh, what's that chap's name? Kokonakis, his, uh, his compatriot? Thanasi Kokonakis. Yeah, he's 18 years of age. What do we know about him? I saw him play Nadal at, in Melbourne, actually, at the start of the year. Definitely talented. Definitely talented. I think for a long period, he and Kyrgios were essentially sort of a two-horse race uh, in the sort of Australian junior um, area. Um, And Kyrgios has obviously pulled ahead a little bit in the past year. But, uh, I mean, that's only by comparison. I think Kokonakis has been chuntering along quite nicely and making pretty steady progress in the transition into seniors. So just because he hasn't had the flashy standout results that uh, Kyrgios has had that's not to say that he's not um, making good progress and so yeah, very talented right Paul McNamee former Australian Open uh, uh, tournament director and, and and former great doubles player as well as a, is a regular listener of the tennis podcast I reckon um, he certainly follows me on Twitter and engages in lots of chat and I'm sure he listens to this so hi Paul um, he is uh, of the opinion that both of those two are going places big time so it's going to be fascinating to see how they get on two others uh, to, to throw into the mix one is alexander zverev who uh, has had some notable results he's german isn't he 17 year old yes uh i saw him play at delray beach earlier this year in the final round of of collies there and uh i was about as probably about as blown away as you can be by a 17 year old really i really thought i i find i i find talent identification quite difficult really because I look at I look at these players and I think well they're all bloody brilliant you know I think right well and sort of at at those higher echelons of the game it's the margins are so tiny that identifying I mean obviously great players can identify generally speaking what's going to make a great player but as a mere mortal I find it quite difficult but I whatever it is I think I saw it in him if he if he can progress you know physically and mentally etc make the right decisions in terms of scheduling coaches all of that kind of stuff uh, he really ought to be top 10 without doubt wow big uh, predictions from Catherine Whittaker there it's funny isn't it whenever the journalists like us uh, wander around the practice course you know when anybody comes back and say says something like oh Murray's hitting it well I always think really 
you can see that already? I mean, you can differentiate between one day or the other because I know I can't. <laughs> I, I completely agree. What do you mean? Yes, Murray can hit a tennis ball very well. But this is something we know and something that doesn't vary from day to day. So, uh, yeah, I think they're just trying to sound like they've done some analysis. <laughs> yeah, and we, we're guilty of it too. I must have I come in very high brows sometimes and I say, oh, yeah, I'll tell you what, watch out for Marin Cilic. She's playing well today. And he goes and loses to Ivo Karlovic. <laughs> um, now, uh, the, the fifth of the uh, quintet, is that right? Quintet? Yeah. Um, is Mr. I say Mr. I'm not quite sure he counts as a, a Mr. He's about... 12 years old he looks like um, his name is Stefan Kozlov uh, of the United States getting very excited about him over there 16 years of age I say 12 he looks 6 going on 4 is what he looks like um, but he's got a lot of talent going for him and um, is it, wouldn't it be great to have a guy coming out of America like that and, and really mixing in that sort of company and have a, have a generation coming through and, and uh, to follow and get excited about. What I like about this group is they're all doing it so early, 17, 18 years of age. This hasn't happened for a long time. No, there's been, a, there's been quite the... Um, regression isn't the right, right word, but a real change-up in um, the ages, in, in both the men's and women's game, the ages at which players, players mature. I mean... The days of uh, Boris Becker winning Wimbledon at 17 seem to be a distant memory, but it could just be that it's cyclical and moving in cycles and the game has been so much about power that a 17, 18-year-old's body would be unable to compete at the top level with the game as it is at the moment. But if things move back into more of a finesse um, sort of style, which a lot of those players are more of the the finesse, natural timing, the, the Federer mould, I suppose, although obviously Federer is so incredible, he's been able to mix it with the with the power players. This, obviously, Nick Kyrgios is an exception to this because he's, I mean, he looks like some kind of, he looks like the Incredible Hulk, doesn't he, and, and did at the age of about 15. But um, it, it could just be that it's cyclical and that things are now moving back into a stage where players can mature and compete at this sort of I mean Stefan Kozlov at 16 you, that's that's young and it and also he um, Zverev and Chorich all look young I mean they none of them are physically built like Nadal are they I mean I was actually surprised just looked it up before we came on to see that Chorich is actually six foot one I mean he doesn't seem like a big guy uh, when you see him on court because he moves so well he, he's a real a wonderful mover but he's big enough. I mean, that's sort of Djokovic size, isn't he? And similar build. Yeah, it's it's certainly tall enough. And at seventeen, he could he could still grow an extra inch or two at seventeen. Not as you say, not that he necessarily needs to. But at at this stage, the the finer it's about filling out, isn't it? It's about um, except for Nick Kyrgios, who can probably stop filling out now. Uh, Kokonakis I threw in there as well tall but um, definitely he's definitely got a, a boy's body rather than a man's body but you know so did Boris Becker when he won Wimbledon at 17 so yes they will fill out more and yes they're, they're more likely to be genuine competitors at the top of the day, game when they do but if tennis does move in that direction and that those question marks that I mentioned a bit earlier against to the against the other players do play out then it's not it's not beyond the realms of possibility in the next couple of years that one of them could break through 
Well, one of uh, when when I put this out on Twitter, I immediately got a response from uh, Chris Clary from the New York Times, our favourite international tennis journalist. Sorry to all the other tennis journalists listening, but Chris is our favourite, and that's the end of the story. Uh, except that he was pulling me up on the fact that uh, we didn't include Dominic Team in this group. Now, as soon as he said this, I must admit I did think I feel so unfaithful. You know, Dominic Team has become my new favourite player over the last 12 months, as you know. But then we looked it up and realised the guy's at least two years older than all of these players. He's practically drawn his pension compared to these toddlers. Yeah, d- 21. 21, Dominic Team Just turned 21, I think. So, uh, no, I mean, we're talking teenagers, basically, aren't we? I mean, Team, you could... He's bridging the gap between the Dimitrovs and the Raoniches and the the Kozlovs and the Choriches. So, and he, and there aren't there aren't many around the twenty twenty one age, are there? There's Dominic Team in there, and then that's it's, uh, it's a bit of a void. So, it's not that we're not talking about him as a uh, as a blooming good player and a possible contender. It's just that he doesn't fall into either bracket of people that should probably really be winning Grand Slams now, <coughs> Grigor Dimitrov. And Come on, he shouldn't necessarily have to be winning them now, but in 12 months' time, if he hasn't got to a Grand Slam final, will you be disappointed? Yeah, I will be. I, I, I won't be giving up on him because... Because Are you predicting he's going to reach a Grand Slam final over the next 12 months? Always wanting to pin me down. Um, let me think about this. Yeah, yeah, come on, he really should, shouldn't he? What do you think? Yeah, I'm going for it. Um, and the other person that we've uh, we've looked up uh, when we were having this discussion is you mentioned uh, a chap that um, uh, John McEnroe was getting pretty excited about when you were with him at the ATP Champions event in Italy recently. And who is that? His name is Andre Rublev, and uh, he's very young. He's junior world number one at the moment. He's, uh, I think, he's only played one main draw seniors match so he's really not quite breaking into the seniors just yet biding his time but he he was given a um he's russian so he's given a wild card into kremlin cup in moscow lost first round uh but did give i think it was sam groth a good run for his money certainly um didn't embarrass himself at all um and he's managed by the same person that manages john McEnroe. so he tipped John off, and, and uh, John's had a look at him, and uh, he is impressed with what he sees. And um, you and I can both vouch for the fact that John McEnroe is not not necessarily easily impressed. <laughs> yes, I think uh, that's fair to say. I think most people would probably uh, understand that. Uh, one word of warning. If you do decide to Google Andre Rublev uh, to look up who we're talking about, just make sure you get the spelling right. Because when I looked it up, I ended up with a medieval painter. Uh, but there we are. Uh, his first name is spelled A-N-D-R-E-Y, not E-I as I spelt it. But anyway, that's by the by. And we are at the Royal Albert Hall. We've got to go for a meeting now, Catherine. Go and have a look around this beautiful, iconic arena. And, uh, and then we'll speak to our listeners soon, won't we? We've got to do some actual work. Who'd, who'd have thought it? <laughs> yeah, wandering around the Royal Albert Hall, work. Well, that's what we like to say. Thanks for listening. We'll speak to you soon. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 